This is the 10-Minute Contrarian Podcast. This is VP. We are a solutions-based podcast, diving into the world of contrarian investing and alternative finance. You can find us hosted on the No Nonsense Forex YouTube channel, nonsenseforex.com, and podcast players everywhere. Episode 133 is brought to us by Bybit. I have seen more people come in in the last three weeks than I have seen come in in a very long time. And the price of crypto has been going up ever since really early November. So I think people are getting themselves ready for the new year. They're going with a broker that they thought might have been somewhere in the middle in terms of capitalization. Now they kind of understand how legit Bybit is. My traders love the fact that you can trade directly off of MT4. And who really wants to deal with a platform that's on the United States government's radar? Uh, it may get there someday, but it's certainly not there now. Not to mention all the great giveaways and promotions and contests that we have. So what you need to do is go down to the show notes. Click on the link that will take you to the blog. The blog will give you all the current information you need. And it also contains my affiliate link. If you click that link, get set up, deposit, start trading. And that's when it starts to get really good because as more and more people are finding out with Bybit, membership has its rewards. It is the 10 Minute Contrarian Podcast. And if this is your very first time joining us, first of all, welcome. Uh, second, you have joined us on a very big episode. It is our 2024 macro predictions episode because macro pretty much drives the bus for everything we like to invest in and everything most people like to invest in. Now, it's not like super big because I'm just one person. And as we have seen in the past, my predictions are very hit or miss. And because of that, you should never really take them too seriously. But again, it's unfortunate. Macro drives the bus. We don't want it to. It shouldn't. One country and one small organization within that country with one person spearheading it, I'm talking about the Fed and Jerome Powell, should not have this much influence. But we've seen it in the last few years. Unfortunately, they do. And for that reason, we need to pay very close attention to this. And as unpredictable as Jerome Powell has been, he has fooled a lot of us, including myself, as the years have gone by. But I think there is a method to the madness, and we will talk about this today. But 2024 has an added level of intrigue to it and a possible a very obvious predictor to it, and that's going to be the 2024 election in the United States. So we're going to go over that too, but before we do that, I have some required reading material for you to follow along with as this episode goes by. It is down in the show notes. I put it at the very top, and this is something that if you've been following me, you have certainly seen before. Blog readers have definitely seen it, and this is going to be the Fed interest rate sheet from the St. Louis Fed. And it's very telling, I think, and will go along with this episode really well. So I know some of you are out there walking your dog or driving or something like that. Don't pull it up if you're doing that. But if you're doing anything else, you know, listening to this on your computer, especially if you're on YouTube, please pull this up now so you can follow along with me. Pause, go click it, pull it up, and then come back. Are we back? Okay, good. So as far as predictions go, this is not a slam dunk year at all. I'm actually quite torn. I'm torn on most things. I will say that much. There's one thing I'm probably more confident about than anything, but that is not going to be covered in this episode. Stay tuned. But as far as macro goes, and let's just say the S&P 500 and how that's going to go this year, let's talk about the bear cases First, now anybody who has been following this podcast for any amount of time 
or who is in the gold camp or the Bitcoin camp, you are well aware of just how decayed everything is financially and economically from the inside, how rotten this foundation has become, and just what a house of cards it is. And every once in a while, we just start yanking cards out from the bottom, and miraculously, the house of cards is still propped up. Again, you can thank the Fed for that. Uh, But that could be its own episode. I don't even want to do an episode like that because it seems like we just beat on this ad nauseum. And if you ever listen to somebody like a Goldbug or a Bitcoin Maxi come onto a podcast, it's just the same stuff over and over. It's redundant. It's depressing. And I try not to be yet another one of those podcasts. Uh, But let's go ahead and add some other bearish factors to it. Europe, as far as we know, most of Europe, and China right now is already in a recession. That meter has already turned over. So we can all but guarantee that other nations are going to fall into recession during the year 2024 as well. And I would say in terms of global significance, China and the Eurozone are two and three behind the United States. And they are already there. You guys remember the China restarts episode that we had here? And I was calling bullshit on it. I was right. Just because a nation declares that they are restarting doesn't mean they can fight really bad, corroded economics. It was just too much for China to overcome. Then again, China does not have the world's reserve currency. See how this works? See why there are so many countries fighting to break free from the United States dollar? But they can't. Anyway, Yes, the, uh, the, the Bitcoin maxis and the gold bugs all have a point, too. We are starting to get to a point in the United States where our debt, the interest on our debt, is getting so big that we don't even make enough money with our own GDP to pay it off. Like, we are dangerously close to that point. On top of that, many major banks and institutions who were not taking defensive positions before are doing that now. The big money, the smart money is now hedging. And remember, these are the people who get all of the information before we do. Never, ever, ever pay attention to what Jamie Dimon, the head of J.P. Morgan, or any of those people say. We've been over this. Whenever he talks, you see all of this outrage on Twitter. This outrage is done by fools. Pay attention to what they do. And what they are doing is positioning themselves defensively for what is ahead. Now, how far ahead is it? We just don't know. But this is a 2024 prediction episode, so I only have 12 months to work with here. And on the bear side, too, let us not forget the six crises. If you're unfamiliar with that blog post I wrote, we'll go over them. Um, We have been very fortunate to sidestep all of these in their entirety. We've seen glimpses of them, but we haven't had a full-blown crisis in any of these particular Sectors? Is that the right word? Categories, let's say. So starting off with the energy crisis, uh, we will have one of these this decade at some point. It's almost inevitable. We've had the Energy Cliff episode this, uh, this past year in 2023. Make sure you check that one out if you haven't yet. It's a very viable theory. Uh, we have still yet to recover from all of the fossil fuel plants shutting down due to the failed ESG movement. You know, any small chink in the armor here can really set things in motion. And then what usually comes up after that is a food crisis, which we have also yet to see, which, believe me, not only 
is this terrible for world economies, people will start uprising quickly if this happens, either against their own governments or you're going to see invasions happen that you did not ever expect to see. Credit crisis, uh, the, the, the numbers and the metrics are horrifying. We're, we are worse off now in terms of credit than we were back during the big credit crisis back in 2008. Housing, LOL, we already know that's bad. I don't think this time around housing is going to kick off the decline, but it will certainly be a byproduct of it. Bonds have just been weird. I can't really speak to that so much. Uh, and then the interesting one is the escalation in the war. Now, I have no idea what's going to happen with Russia and Ukraine this year. That is not my area of expertise. But uh, as we have talked about in the past, get ready to see very strange wars happening all over the globe. Now, we've had Israel and Palestine, which is not really strange because, like we said before, those those two fight a lot. And it's not even Palestine. I know it's Hamas, but just you know what I'm saying. People get really sensitive with this stuff. But we're also seeing these silent little takeover attempts. I don't know if you've been paying attention to this, but Venezuela pretty much wants to take over almost all of Guyana, at least the part that matters and the parts that have oil in it. And they are serious. And then over on the other side of the world, you have Ethiopia which borders Somalia. And Somalia has pretty much two sides to it. You have Somaliland in the north, which is a lot more functional. And then you have just the rest of Somalia in the south, which is a lot more chaotic. Ethiopia is looking at Somaliland saying, man, we could really use this, especially their water access. So I think we're just going to go ahead and try to annex them. I'm not sure exactly what their process is, but this is really a thing too. Now, if you think that Guyana and Somalia especially are not going to fight back and just let themselves get absorbed by countries that are not hardly anything like them, I would happily take the other side of that bet. But my point is, expect these things to become more common. And even if we don't see an escalation in the Russia-Ukraine war, things are absolutely getting more and more chaotic across the globe. And from a timing perspective, who knows when these things are really going to pop off. But they are happening. And then the seventh crisis that I added was China. And as we spoke about before, they're already in recession. How much more are they going to get into recession? How much quicker is this decline going to occur? And what actions will they take to prevent their own people from coming over the wall? Contrarians, any one of these things should they be allowed to become full-blown, can easily take the entire economy down all across the globe. Make no mistake. And believe me, in the course of history, government leaders are going to be more than happy to point to these crises as the reason why their own decaying economies collapsed. When is the last time a world leader came out and took accountability for their own failures? It doesn't happen. Will we see something like this in 2024? Hard to say, but as I always say, we are closer to it now than we have ever been. So that's, that's a lot of pretty heavy arguments in the bear camp. You know, that's going to be really tough to overcome. However, if I had to make a prediction, my overall outlook for the macro scene and for the S&P 500 in 2024 is actually bullish. 
My prediction is that on December 31st, 2024, the S&P 500 will be higher than it was on January 1st, 2024, and that throughout most of 2024, it's going to be a risk-on environment. And it's for one major reason, and we touched on this earlier. So for people who have been with me for years, you guys know that we have always had like a word of the year. We kind of stopped doing it, but it went from, I don't remember what it was at first, but then build and then execute. And then every year after that, it was just execute because once you know what to do, it's it's time to actually do it. I think though, if there there had to be a word for 2024, that word is going to be election. Because I think this year matters more as far as uh, the things we like to invest in, let's say, and how it ties to the United States election more than it ever has before. So if you remember me saying in the past, uh, ignore anybody that says that election years are up only. Uh, Historically, they have not been. The dot-com crash in the year 2000 and the, uh, the great financial crisis in 2008 were both during election years. Now, if you weren't aware of that stat, just remember it and file it away. I'm going to come back to it. And I will say, too, I'm going to get a bit political here. Um, Please do your best and try not to go to YouTube and act like a cuckoo bird down below in my comment section. I really like the fact that we typically rise above that and focus on the investment side of things. And I'm also going to have an election episode in the near future to where if you want to be a cuckoo bird and go down below in the comments and act like one, then I will totally allow it. But just for that one episode, and this isn't it. Again, this is one idiot's opinion. So just bear with me here. But, you know, I'm a bit conspiratorial. And, you know, conspiratorial doesn't mean I'm crazy. We've all seen that, you know, especially this decade, conspiracy people are typically just the first ones to the actual truth. But what I'm about to say is not going to be too out there. You know, I think a lot of people agree with the idea that there are a group of elites who have run things across the globe or across most of the globe for a very long time, and they usually get their way. Now, it is, of course, in their best interest to get their person into the United States presidency, and they have done a very good job of doing that. Probably throughout my entire lifetime, except for that one time. (laughs) We'll talk about that too. So if we go as far back as like Ronald Reagan and George H. Bush, I was probably too young to really be paying attention to what was going on there. Um, So we'll we'll go beyond that. But uh, we all pretty much know, you know, what we know about the Clintons and especially the information that's come out recently (laughs) that was not a real big surprise. We all kind of knew that too. The Clintons were playing ball with the elites, very, very much so. And then you had George W. Bush, definitely played ball with the elites, kept that war machine alive and moving really well. Then Barack Obama, obvious team player. And then after Obama, we were supposed to have a nice seamless torch pass over to Hillary. I remember the day before the election, Vegas had her as a five to one odds on favorite to win, which pretty much means it was in the bag until it wasn't. And then the elites absolutely flipped out. The very next day, every news organization, every daytime talk show, every nighttime talk show, and every social media outlet all pivoted hard left. And they had one job, 
convince the world that Donald Trump was a very bad man, and you need to make sure that you don't vote for him next term. And they've even admitted this out loud, by the way. And it worked. They were able to convince enough people that voting for Joe Biden instead of Donald Trump was a good idea, and they got their game player back. Or in this case, somebody who doesn't even realize what game they're playing, which is perfect for them. Now, this isn't me saying anything good or bad about Donald Trump. You know, to me, he wasn't really that great of a president. You know, I was pretty disappointed in a lot of ways myself. But that's not the point I'm making. The point I'm making is for us in the investment world, we have to pay attention to things like this because I am almost certain that this is the game that is being played. That whole smear campaign against Trump was very strange. We have never seen anything like that. We almost always in the media, apart from, you know, maybe one or two kind of rogue channels that are the opposition channels, support the United States president. And they did a great job of getting people's emotions high, and we all know what happens when you do that, to get their candidate in. But in 2024, uh, they have a difficult task ahead of them because now that four years have passed, a lot less people want to vote for Joe Biden for United States president. All of the embarrassments that we've seen with presidents like Gerald Ford falling down all the time and George W. Bush saying things that are just downright silly have been magnified 10, 15 times over with one president, with Joe Biden. And hardcore progressives are going to vote for him anyway, but you just don't have enough of those people in our country. They are going to need to do more, and it's going to be really interesting to see what they do this year, and more particularly, who they might bring up to replace him. But on top of that, they are going to need to keep United States citizens relatively happy during this time. We cannot have a recession in 2024. If you remember me saying before, we did have recessions during election years, but both of those that I just mentioned we're at the end of eight-year terms. 2024 is the end of a four-year term. And believe me, the elites want to get the incumbent back in, or at least get their party back in. And they know if they can just keep people relatively satisfied that their chances of doing this goes up. We talked about it during the midterms with gas prices. This shit works. And so with all of the bear cases I spoke about you know, 10, 12 minutes ago, You are going to need to find some way to kick this can down the road for another year. Luckily for them, we have the biggest can kicker of all time leading the Fed currently in Jerome Powell. And I finally put together, I don't know why it took me this long, but I really think that Jerome Powell is on the side of the elites. There was talk before because, you know, a lot of banks and a lot of people were getting aggravated at the way he was handling things. But if I really look at it, man, I think it's all by design. And I think it is to prolong things long enough to get their candidate in for another four years. And then as soon as that happens, then allow everything to fall apart. Or especially if we get a Republican candidate in the presidency then absolutely pull the release valve and let everything dump on that poor person's head. Remember, at the end of the day, Jerome Powell is not an economist. 
he's a lawyer. He's not capable by himself or even with a small committee of pulling this off on his own. Now, can he pull it off? I mean, that's an awful long time to delay things. Well, pull your chart back up. The chart I told you about, the one in the show notes, go ahead and pull it up now. So what you will notice, and it's nice to have those, uh, those gray shaded areas, those are recessions. And the graph is interest rates. And since the early 80s, when inflation was out of control and things were wild, we don't count that. But since then, it's been the same story every time. Pump up interest rates, delay them for a while. That's that flattening period you see. And then drop them. And then somewhere, usually a bit early in the dropping process, is when the economy finally tanks. Now, why does it always happen this way? Well, the bears will make a very good point here. And they will say, well, that rise in interest rates is not good for an economy. But there is a lag effect. It takes time before all of that harm really takes full effect. And that's why you don't see it happen until you know time has passed and we're already in the rate decrease cycle before it occurs. It's not the dropping in rates that makes the economy go down. It's the time that has elapsed between the very peak of rate rising and that point in time where the economy just taps out because these things lag. But now what I want you to do is go back on that chart and go to the interest rate rise from 2004 to 2006 and then count how many months it took from that point until we actually had the recession. It was right about from August 2006 to January 2008. About a year and a half. If Chairman Powell is simply able to replicate that, then he can simply continue to kick the can down the road until early 2025, which would coincide perfectly with the start of the new president's term. Keep in mind, presidents don't get sworn in until January. Now, if this new president is a Democrat, no big deal. We can crash things and then you know, allow enough time to recover before the next election. Or if it's a Republican president, we can just make things as terrible as possible and show the world, see, it's all cake and ice cream and prosperity with us, and it's all economic hardship and squalor when you vote for these people. To me, it's the perfect setup. Again, I always try to put myself in the shoes of the people who actually run the show and say, okay, if I was the big evil empire, how would I do it? And doing it this way just makes perfect sense. Nobody will be any the wiser. So what this would mean for the year 2024 is continued prosperity. Now, Jerome Powell talked about no more raising rates and the idea of dropping rates back in November. But he never said when. And if the economy is doing fine, there's no need to drop rates. And so he probably won't. Now, if for some reason he throws in a weird rate hike in 2024, I'm not sure why he would. But if he did, then all of the pattern following we've been doing on this chart up until now is going to be thrown off a bit. Uh, but I expect it to be, just as it always is, a rise, a long flattening, and then a drop. And during that drop period is when you're going to see a big recession and probably a really bad one this time, but not during a presidential election when the elites are behind the incumbent. That idea alone 
supersedes any bearish bias I might have towards the economy. So I think we're going to be risk on. And if we're going to be risk on for another year, you may as well take some risk. Not financial advice. But if you agree with me, and this might be one of the last years you're really going to have to, to get that crazy upside alpha in a lot of things. And the good thing is, is people who listen to this podcast and people who subscribe to No Nonsense Forex, they know how to protect their downside. So even though this powder keg could go off at any time, including 2024, you guys will at least be ready for it. And you will know what to do. And if you take a loss, it's not going to be a terrible loss, allowing you to participate in this potential upside if you want to. And that's all I'm going to say. So with the next two episodes at least uh, with predictions, maybe three episodes, I'm not sure how we're going to do it, You know, just understand I'm going to keep reverting back to this episode here because it is such a base case for what to expect going forward, especially if I'm only given 12 months to make a prediction. And remember, again, I'm only one person. So on that note, if you're listening to this on YouTube or if you'd like to go over to YouTube and state your predictions for 2024 on the macro side, so overall macro risk on or risk off environment and the S&P 500, where do you see things going and why do you see it that way? Do you agree or disagree with my theory and why? And then 12 months from now, we can go back to the comment section and we can see how you did. Again, don't be afraid. There are no wrong answers. These are just predictions. I'm the only one putting myself out there. I'm, I'm the only one taking reputational risk here. The rest of you don't have to worry about it. But regardless of what does happen, I hope that all of you have an awesome 2024. I'm very excited. I have a lot of irons on the fire, a lot of cool things coming up myself, and I hope you do too. Uh, because even though 2024 can be a complete disaster of a year. We're not ruling that out. Just about every single person who listens to this podcast regularly is already positioned for something like that to happen. So it's going to be fine because we are not crazy. We are just early. <laughs>